As I entered into the gym, my eyes were already searching for him because I had already received a text message from my wife alerting me to the news. It was a CLHS volleyball playoff game, and the news that I had received was there had been a celebrity sighting at Malibu High School where this game was being played. Sure enough, as I I got in there, there he was, a celebrity that I would say pretty much everybody here would recognize from some show or movie that you would see him play a role in, but probably not recognize his name. A big enough deal that most of the CLHS crowd there knew who he was. Pretty exciting to to be there in the same gym as this guy that I've seen on the screen and in any number of roles is here cheering on his daughter. The outcome didn't go his way, unfortunately. His team lost. And it sounded from some of his cheering like he thought maybe his daughter should have been playing a little bit more. But nonetheless, it was pretty exciting. And and I was constantly reminded throughout the game, even if it wasn't me looking back, because he was sitting pretty close proximity to me, most of our CLHS fans, uh, I, I quickly caught on, were not looking at me when they were turning their head, but were using that as an excuse to see Mr. Celebrity sitting nearby. So after the, the victory and, and the news that we were moving on to the next round in the playoffs, all of the, the girls were over there taking pictures as they do, and somebody came up with the idea, how cool would it be if Mr. Celebrity would be in our picture? So you'll never guess what happened next. We asked Mr. Celebrity if he would be in their picture, and he said, yes. And he came over, and he stood right there in the middle of all of these these high school volleyball players and took his picture with them. Pretty exciting, isn't it? I don't mean to downplay it, because it is a pretty neat thing, isn't it? Anytime you have an experience with a a dignitary, a celebrity, an athlete, it's kind of a big deal, because we recognize that society views them differently. They kind of hang in different social circles, and and they certainly make a lot more money than most of us, and live in bigger houses, and drive nicer cars, and, and hang out with other people like them. So usually, we're pretty respectful if you ever cite a celebrity or anybody in public We don't smother them. We don't hover over them. We try to give them their privacy. So it's a big deal any time they engage with lowly common folk like us, isn't it? Now, as as neat as those experiences are, this morning we're talking about something on a much grander scale. The the Savior of the world, the Creator of all that exists, who, who not only is in our presence, but willingly, knowingly, deliberately comes to be in our presence. That that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that that kings and and dignitaries give their time to to regular folks like us. I don't know if it struck you as a little bit odd to, to hear a reading that we typically associate with Holy Week, different season of the church year, Uh, Palm Sunday when Jesus rides triumphantly into Jerusalem and here we are in the season of Advent. But actually it fits very nicely with the theme of this year because Matthew connects the dots for us between the Old Testament prophet Zechariah and the fulfillment of his prophecy. You heard him refer to that, that prophecy 
in our reading already. Verses 4 and 5 of Matthew chapter 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. As I said, this just doesn't happen, that that kings and dignitaries come to the, the common lowly folk like us. It just isn't how it always was in history. And maybe, maybe a, a somewhat familiar account that, that illustrates that if you know of Esther in the Bible. The book of Esther tells the account of, of Esther who ended up becoming the queen. And it was uncovered that there was a plot against Esther and her people. Well, the king didn't know at that time that she was Jewish, but a, a plot against her Jewish people to eliminate them, to destroy them. Her cousin Mordecai had uncovered that plot and he came to Esther saying, you've got to do something about this. You're the queen. You're you're really our only hope and and if you don't do it, somebody else will. But Esther, what can you do? And the problem Esther had was she had not been called on by the king in some 30 days. So that could have meant that she really no longer stood in the king's good graces. So it would have been a risk for her to go into his presence, realizing that the penalty could very well have been death. Listen to the details of that account from Esther chapter 4. All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther willingly took on that risk that she knew nobody had business being in the audience of the king unless the king summoned him or her. And in this case, I'm not going to to spoil the whole end of the story, but I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with the account of Esther, read the rest of the detail and see how it plays out. But she did gain an audience with the king, and it was remarkable that she was allowed to live and, and bring her requests before him. Now, as remarkable as that was, that, that uh, somebody, a woman, a female, no less at that time, was able to gain an audience with the king, That's really where the comparison stops because we, in terms of our relationship with with Christ the King, who comes to us as King, 
is not just a, a king who sits on his throne and waits for us to approach him, determining who is and who is not worthy, but rather we have a king who comes to us. And not only a king who comes to us, but a king who, who is not full of himself, but rather is so full of grace that in humility he rode into Jerusalem. In humility he was willing to be beaten and, and berated. In humility was willing to suffer. And then that perfect, beautiful showcase of humility allowed himself to be killed by crucifixion. Why should, should this king of all kings on the earth throughout history come to us in, in that way? Why should he ride into Jerusalem? He did not need to extend his kingdom in any way. It's all his anyway. He does not need the validation of any man to give his kingship authority. This king rode into Jerusalem. This king came into our world for you, for us, to carry out what only this perfect king could. And yes, this king came and he will come again on the last day, but we also rejoice and celebrate that this king continues to come to us. See, that's kind of the other element that makes any celebrity interaction or engagement kind of a big deal because it's so rare. It doesn't happen every day. You have one experience with one celebrity, chances are you aren't going to to be with them again in the future. You're not probably going to cross paths again. I'm sure that I won't ever get to visit Mr. Celebrity again in the future. That's what makes it so neat. That's what sets it apart. It's a, a one-time thing. But Christ, your King, who comes to you, did not just come one time, but continues to come to you. Who continues to offer his very body and blood to you to bring blessings beyond what we ever could have imagined. Are you spiritually depleted? Sit at the king's table where he comes to you with his body and blood to fill you full with forgiveness. Are you discouraged by a, a, a lack of growth in your sanctification? Sit at the king's table where he comes to you through his body and blood to give you the grace to grow frustrated that it seems as if Satan is winning more battles than, than you are when it comes to sin and temptation, sit at the king's table and let him come to you and remind you that the battle is his and the price paid was his very body and blood to assure you of that victory. He comes to you even when you are in the midst of shame and guilt, which the devil wants to convince you ought to drive you further away from your king when in fact he says, no, that is when you need to draw even nearer to me and sit at my table where I can come to you and give you my body and blood to assure you that you are, you are mine. No sin and guilt will ever change that. I've paid for them. And this king comes to us not only in sacrament, but what other need do you have that he cannot meet as our king who comes to us through the very word of God? What is it that you lack 
that he cannot meet as he reigns and he rules over all things. That he gives you value, that he gives you significance, that he gives you purpose to serve him with his life, with your life in, in a way that isn't going to ever be touched by any job or career that you could ever pursue. It will never have the value that it does to serve in Christ's kingdom, to love and look out for each other and the world that he has entrusted us to care for. When he reigns and, and he rules, he rules not over your present, but even the future uncertainties over which you get anxious and you worry. What place do those have in his kingdom when he is ruling all things? And when he is ruling all things, where else would you look for peace? When he is overseeing all things for your benefit, on your behalf, where else in this world are you going to find a joy that only he can satisfy? He is your king who comes to you. And he will come to you each and every day through his word. You need only to summon this king and you have his assurance, you have his word that he will be there to provide you with this rich treasure store of all of his blessings, spiritual and otherwise, to care for and to meet every need that you might have. I, I don't plan on, on, as I said, ever meeting Mr. Celebrity again. It was more, more likely a, a one-and-done type of encounter. And, and quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if several years from now I'm reflecting back, I don't even remember which celebrity it was, just that there was a celebrity at my daughter's playoff volleyball game. And honestly, he didn't really leave us with anything. He didn't give me anything or anybody else other than a few pictures, I suppose, that you could look back and say, boy, that was a neat moment. But how different is your king who comes to you, who continues to give to you, who continues to bless you and assure you that he's not here for himself. He came the first time and he continues to come for you. And he will do that until that last day when he comes, that one last final time to bring you and all those who are a part of his kingdom home to heaven. In the meantime, let us take advantage of this king who comes to us and summon him daily and know that he will give us the grace and every spiritual gift that we need until he comes again. Amen.